the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. In recent episodes, we've been doing a COVID-19 series, speaking to numerous experts who've shared an amazing amount of knowledge on the subject. To access that body of knowledge, visit our archives at missionevolution.org. Now we're focusing on the brand new landscape in which we find ourselves and the tools to help us move forward. Your input is a very important part of these discussions. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the next show. So sit back, take notes, and enjoy. This hour we'll consider the evolutionary power of change and excuse me, change and disruption. Never has there been a better opportunity to evolve than when we've been picked up by the ankles and had the change shaken out of our pockets. 2020 has done an excellent job of disrupting the status quo. While it's tempting to wish for days gone by and a return to normal, the fact is we've been on a collision course with our own karma for quite a while. What we have considered as normal was simply not sustainable, and now we're reaping the rewards of our folly. So where do we go from here? How can we transmute this upheaval into something positive, beneficial, and evolutionary. With us this hour to investigate the possibilities of a positive shift is Rita Burgett Martel. Rita is a summa cum laude graduate, Belmont University in Nashville, and the author of two books, Change Ready, How to Turn Change Resistance into Change Readiness, and Defining Moments, Seizing the Power of Second Chances to Create the Life You Want. The practical guidance Rita provides is based on her 30 years of professional experience as an organizational change consultant to Fortune 500 clients and a career coach to more than 11,000 individuals. You can find out more about Rita on her website, RitaBurgettMartel.wordpress.com. Rita, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm excited about our conversation. You're a graduate of the Belmont University. What's your degree? My degree is in business. I have a Bachelor of Business Administration with an area of emphasis in organizational development. So tell us a little bit about how you went from being an 18-year-old uneducated housewife <laughs> in Tennessee <laughs> to an international change strategist and thought leader. Uh, a lot of change, <laughs> making a lot of changes and for me, my changes were chosen. I, I wanted a life, an expanded life. I wanted the door to open to opportunities. Um, couldn't really define what that was going to be at that moment in time. But 
uh, the way change happens, you make one change and that leads to other changes and expands your mind about all of the possibilities. So the first change I made was starting college. As a 29-year-old, I met my first husband when I was 16. We were in high school together. We got married when I was 18, my first daughter at 20, second daughter at 25. And it was like, oh, you know, what What am I going to do? I, there's more that I want. Um, but I wasn't surrounded by people who really saw possibilities. There were people who were very limited in their vision and no one in my family had even graduated from high school. So to even imagine college was not really for us. So it was well, a big change I made, met, met with a lot of resistance, as you can well, imagine. That, that took you out of your comfort zone for sure, which indicates to me that something was driving you pretty hard. What was driving you to that change? Uh, it was an, an internal desire. And you know, change can be triggered by our external world, something that happens, something that is unexpected, um, a decision somebody else makes that affects our future. Or it can be triggered by something inside of us that says, you know, there, there's more, there's more out there, I have a good life. And that was a lot of the criticism that I received. You have a great life, you have a great husband, you have these two children you should be spending time with, you should be grateful for. And it was the belief that you, if you, you're grateful for what you have, you shouldn't want more. And I just thought, I'm happy with what I have. I'm grateful. That doesn't stop me from growing and learning and, and having an expanded world. So it was difficult. It was My husband was not supportive financially. I had to find a part-time job to pay for school and took five years to get through the four years. And as you mentioned, I, thank you, I graduated summa cum laude. So I was just so highly motivated. After I did that, I just was motivated to help every woman in Nashville change her life. I just thought every woman would want to. So I started. <laughs> you found out they didn't, right? <laughs> so no, so how, how, did, how, did you, how did you become an expert on managing change? I understand you have a degree in business. How did you make that shift over? Well, I started a women's center in Nashville, and again, it was focused on helping individuals look at possibilities, identify options, and develop the courage to move forward, because it takes courage. And I understood change based on what I had gone through and was able to keep my family together and in spite of the resistance, make it happen. So I understood what individuals would be going through if they decided to make changes in their life. And it just, I started working with companies in Nashville because I was focused on programs for women. And that was at a, a time when women were moving into leadership positions. And so companies, I was very visible in the city. I got a lot of publicity because what I was doing was unique and the media didn't really understand <laughs> what I was right. doing. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, yeah. yesterday during our sound check, you shared your own story of COVID-19 outbreak mm -hmm. and uh, your, you know, the resulting drastic change of plans. Would you mind sharing that with our audience? Okay. Yeah, this was my year. Um, to take a cruise around the world. So this was something I always wanted to do. And 2020 was the year I decided I would do it. Couldn't have been a worse possible year. So it was a four month cruise, Southern Hemisphere. And the virus started, we left Fort Lauderdale on January 4th. 
And, you know, we were at sea. We get some news, but the TV is not that great. Plus, you don't want to be watching TV when you're cruising around the world. And so, uh, you know, I was hearing about the virus and I was wondering why people were reacting the way they were. So anyway, we're making it through. January's okay, February's okay. When we get to March, some of the ports in Asia started closing. Singapore closed when they allow us in. So our itinerary changed uh, somewhat and we got to Australia and we had been sailing around Australia for about two weeks. And that was around March 20th when the cruise company decided to end the cruise and gave us a week's notice that we would be asked to leave the ship in Australia and we would be on our own as far as making our travel plans to get back to the United States. So they just dump you off and say, good luck, right? (laughs) Good luck. Yes. Thank you for sailing with us. We made it halfway around the world. Um, Yeah. And I mean, for me, I've traveled a lot. And so I knew that I would be okay, but there was still that concern of, okay, Australia is closing down. They're closing down the country. Um, Flights are being canceled. And I was able to get booked on a a flight, but it wasn't leaving for two days. So I had to check into a hotel and Australia closed down the next day. Oh my Um, gosh. My flight. Definite upheaval. So what are the skills? My flight was the last one that left. Oh my. So what are the skills that you teach? Have you found most beneficial in managing your own ability to embrace this massive upheaval? Well, what we're going through now is a change we didn't choose. And when something happens to you that's unexpected, you you feel out of control. You feel like the rug has been pulled out from under you and you don't, your, your symbols of security have been taken or, or they're being threatened. So the job security that we had the illusion that we had, um, the income that may not be there because we are in the hospitality industry and jobs are being cut left and right. Um, health, you know, a threat to our health. So there are threats all around us, and it's something that we didn't choose. And so we have to be able to put ourselves back in a position of feeling powerful. And so I teach my clients to use a model I call the five C's. And so we can go over that um, if you like. I think your listeners would find it helpful. Uh, a little later in the program, I'd love to, because okay. I'd kind of like to outline what we're going to use them on. Mm-hmm. So in your experience as a change strategist, what responses to change have you seen uh, that are kind of unexpected in the populace out there? Well, uh, fear is often you know, the first reaction to change because something's happened to me and I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. Um, denial. And people have different reactions to change and accept the change on a a different uh, timeline. And so we're kind of seeing this if we look at the world and 
look at people's reactions, we're not all reacting the same way. So the denial, I mean, that was kind of my first reaction. And when I'm on the cruise and I'm hearing about this virus, oh, it's not that bad. You know, it's uh, we're in the Southern Hemisphere. It's not happening here. Uh, everything will be okay. And that's one of my coping skills, um, being Pollyanna in denial, <laughs> is how I see it. You know, oh, it's not that bad. You know, I can manage it. We'll come up, I'll come up with the solution. So some people do respond that way. Um, but yes, some, sometimes we have um, anger. You know, I, how could this happen? What, what did I do you know, to deserve this? You're right. We've seen so much anger, which has been surprising to me. I know, uh, that people yeah. are just kind of going off the heath, but doesn't have that have to do with fear? When we're putting fear, yes. we're putting the back brain, back brain yes. where there's no logic, there's just fight or flight, and we've yeah. got massive amounts of people really, really scared right now. How can we collect ourselves so we can come from a place of logic uh, rather than one of reactionary? Yeah, and it's important to uh, be able to look at how we are reacting and. And think about, okay, how can I respond? Because when I'm reacting to something, I'm giving my power away. And I do have control over my choices. And so I can choose to be in a position where I, I look at possibilities instead of looking at what I might lose or what I am losing. Because this is a situation where people have lost their jobs um, maybe have lost friends, have lost family. Um, so a lot of grief. Um, so yeah, putting ourselves in a position of looking at what's the reality here. And, you know, that first C in my five C's is really, is clarity. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good point because mm -hmm. right now, uh, well, it's getting a little better, but in, in the beginning of the outbreak, there was nothing but conflicting information out there, and nobody really knew. I mean, I interviewed a lot of a lot of you know very educated scientists and doctors, mm -hmm. and they said the problem is we don't know because it is a novel virus, mm -hmm. and so that leaves everybody in a state of well panic, really, doesn't it? Because how can you get clarity if you can't get clear facts? Exactly. It's yes, it's difficult. We want information, and when we don't have it, we tend to make it up. We feel yeah, in the that's blanks. not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't like to have the blanks. We we, we want to know. We want to know how the story's going to end. And so we fill in the blanks. And when we make up information, it's usually not a, a rosy picture. It's because well, we're going it, to, have to, we're gonna have to take us. We're going to have to take a break uh, for a commercial break here. But on the other side, I'd love to, you know, talk about making up uh, information and what we're seeing as a result of that. Okay. Rita, and I, Rita and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer
Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To all our faithful and thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about reframing disruption as an opportunity for positive change? This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled Transmutation, Finding and Healing Your Core Wound. J.D. shares, It doesn't make sense to me that a comet discovered in 1977 dictates the wound we're supposedly born with. Thanks, J.D. I understand your confusion. Though I did ask, I too did not feel that particular question was adequately answered during the episode. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled Transmutation, Finding and Healing Your Core Wound, and let us know what you think. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all share them on the next show. With us this hour discussing transmuting disruption is Rita Burgett Martell. Her website, ritabrigettemartell.wordpress.com. Rita, we're talking about the tendency that we have when, when we don't have enough information. In order to feel safe, we'll just make it up and move on that. How much of the illogic, I mean, it's, it's raging out there, <laughs> is, is due to that, that very practice? Mm-hmm. It is, because we don't like the blanks. As I, I said earlier, we want to know what's going on. And a lot of the companies I've worked with on managing change, uh, leaders often will not want to keep employees informed because they don't want to upset them. And so they'll wait until about a week before the change is going to happen to announce it, which is not good. Because if we don't have information, we can't prepare ourselves for what is happening or what might happen. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the will be confusion. We don't know who to listen to. And so we have to center ourselves. We have to bring ourselves back to the present moment and clarity about what we do know, um, what's real or or what are we imagining? Because, you know, when we wake up at four in the morning, we're really, I don't think, imagining a a wonderful life. We're at four in the morning. We're worried about all the things that might happen. And so we have to bring ourselves back to the moment. What's happening right now? Right now, I'm in my bed. I'm warm. I'm safe. Um, Right now, I'm healthy. I'm not sick. Right now, I'm safe in my home. My family's okay. So um, clarity about what hasn't changed, what, uh, you know, what is still the same, because sometimes it can feel like everything is changing. It's uh, there's nowhere that I feel safe or I feel comfortable. So um, what's real? What's yeah, real? Bring, bring and, it back down to what's real. And, and mm-hmm. I've gotten, I've had a lot of uh, feedback actually from different listeners, really appreciating the fact that the experts I brought on would say, "We don't know. Mm-hmm. Here's what we do know, but we don't know that. Mm-hmm. So here's the logical. If we don't know that, here are the logical steps to take until we do have an idea. Mm-hmm. And people are not babies. You know, they if you treat them like adults, they're usually going to respond like it. But yes. if you if you treat them like mushrooms, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're getting a really mixed response, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our we can have a long-term vision, but we have to focus very short-term. When you when you're in the midst of a lot of uncertainty, you want to focus on the now. You want to focus on what do I know now, and I can base my decisions on the information that I have at the moment. 
And when that changes, I can I can make different choices. So the clarity is extremely important. What's real? Um, the second C is putting yourself in control. So the second C would be control. What can I do? And that's what I've learned over my life and it's helped me in many situations. I found myself in <laughs> unexpectedly change that I didn't choose. I've learned to ask myself, what can I do? And not respond with, oh, what's going to happen to me? I mean, what's going to happen to me puts you in a victim mentality. It's like, oh, I know something's going to happen and it's going to be bad. It's so. for sure going to be bad. <laughs> you take it down the road, you run with it, and pretty soon you're firmly planted in your back brain of fight or flight, right? Yes. So <laughs> what can I do? It's it's more empowering. Um, and it moves your energy into the place of taking action once you see there there's something I can do. Um I can change my thinking, I mean, if nothing else. Um, I can get a well, cup of for, hot tea. Yeah, well say, well, say, for instance, in the case of of the um, the pandemic, I don't know if we have to wear masks or not, but it's not going to hurt me to wear a mask, mm -hmm. so there's something I can do until they yes. tell me otherwise. Yes. I mean, simple little steps like that right. uh, to bring us back into, okay, we don't know, but let's mm -hmm. err on the side of caution. Yeah. <laughs> what so, can we do? Is that what you're talking yes. about? You're controlling the controllables. I mean, there, there are some things that you can control. So let's focus on the controllables. And it is following the guidelines, um, not going to places that increase our risk of getting the virus. So wearing the mask, you know, doing things to keep ourselves healthy. Um, so control the controllables because that's, you build your confidence that way. Um, the next C would be choices. So you do have choices. You always have a choice. And sometimes it's to say, you know, at, at this moment, I'm just going to have a glass of wine. You know, that's going to be the, the choice that I make. But, you know, looking at the choices you have and change does create an opportunity for us to look at our life and to look at how we're living our life. And I think one good thing that's coming out of this is a lot of people now, instead of spending two hours a day commuting, they're able to spend that time with their family. You know, they're with their family. So I, I believe we're creating a better work-life balance than well, you know, what... We Mm -hmm. Yes. In this, in the status quo that we're coming out of, mm -hmm. we were pretty unconscious with a lot of our choices. We just mm -hmm. did things and spent more money and bought more things to make that easier. Mm -hmm. And, but choices weren't really considered uh, very closely. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think. And I think that's a, a really great point you're making mm -hmm. is that now we can sit back and say, okay, these are my constraints. Within that, what are my choices? We've mm -hmm. always had constraints, but we haven't viewed them as such. Mm -hmm. And with the remote work becoming more widespread, a lot of people are choosing to relocate. Their, their companies are saying, you know, we're okay with you working remotely. Um, and, and one thing I think this is in, in Improved the trust between leaders and employees because that's so important to have that trust there. And so 
leaders can see now that their employees can be trusted to work without them, you know, keeping an eye on them snorting down their neck. Day. Exactly. And so here we have a choice that we can make about no longer living in an expensive city like San Francisco, Seattle, New York. We can move to places like Nashville, places like Austin, Texas. I mean, really anywhere because we can work remotely. And so um, that creates a choice that this time last year, we probably wouldn't have imagined we would have. And, and that's, that's uh, amazing to me, is that we mm-hmm. wouldn't even have imagined it. And mm-hmm. people wouldn't have moved on it. If they did, yeah. it was going to be very slowly. Mm-hmm. And now, because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of fewer commuters, mm-hmm. people are working from home, it's really impacting the environment in a positive way. Uh, yes, a, a very positive way. So I, I do think this will have a positive effect on how we live our, our lives. But um, choices, I mean, seeing that, I, you know, I'm not happy, I, I wasn't happy, and now this is creating an opportunity for me to examine my life and take a look at where I am at this point in my life, and maybe it is time for me to make a change. What I once valued, I no longer value. And I think we really don't take enough time to examine our values and to look at how our values change in different decades of our life. And so change can create an opportunity for you to go in a different direction. Um, It can be a second chance to do what you wanted to do maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, And you had the family and you had to put those dreams on the shelf. Maybe you can take them down now and take a look at them because you're in a different phase of life. So change, even when we don't choose it, it can open our eyes to possibilities. So I can't emphasize enough identifying choices. Just so mm-hmm, go ahead. It Sorry. isn't again that that, but that that choice has to be made. We have to be willing to not just go into a victim mm-hmm. about the imposed changes, but rather reframe them in such a way that we can say, "Okay, well, this has taken certain things away, but mm-hmm. what has it opened up for me?" But mm-hmm. it takes some introspection, doesn't it? Yeah. What are what are the possibilities? And then we're in relationships, and often our significant other doesn't change at the same rate of speed that we do. And so, you know, you have an opportunity to relocate uh, because you can work from anywhere, but your spouse loves where you are. (laughs) So your spouse doesn't want to relocate. And so change affects our relationships. And we have to renegotiate that silent contract that we enter into when we form a relationship with someone. And of course, I went through this with all the changes that I made in my life. There were points where I had to renegotiate this contract with my first husband. And, you know, it was 25 years when our marriage finally ended. And it was, we were at a point in our life where I had a different vision. And that can happen. And so the change we're going through now can open up um, someone's eyes to a different future. Because one thing change does is take away our imagined future. We thought we knew what our future was going to be. And here this change has happened and, you know, we lost the job or our health has changed or our values have changed. 
And so we don't have the future we thought we would have, but we have a wonderful opportunity to create a whole new future that can be even even more exciting and and doors open to possibilities that we couldn't see before because we weren't looking. <laughs> well, we have to see those doors before we can pass through them, don't yeah. we? Right, what, right. What, what permanent changes do you see in our way of life um, that we can expect as a result of everything we're going through right now? Well, I think the way that we work, I think that our work relationships, I think that will be a big one. The way that we use technology, um, of course, Zoom has become something that's very commonplace. Now people have Zoom cocktail parties. Um, so we can connect with anyone anywhere at any time. So technology in healthcare, technology in education. And uh, in healthcare, um, I've had some telehealth appointments. And one benefit of that is the doctor really focuses on me. So, you know, we're seeing eye to eye. And I felt, I felt heard. I, I felt it was, wow, that was a great connection. And it wasn't in the doctor's office. And again, I didn't have to spend my time driving somewhere. Um, it was, you know, in my home. So I think um, technology definitely in the areas of healthcare, I think it'll be a big improvement. And in education. Um, Boy, they're and, still struggling with that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, the, the, the long distance learning is not working well for our younger ones. <laughs> the distance learning that you can, uh, it's adaptive learning. So we can tailor learning to the child's learning abilities and track it to where they are. So, yeah, there's changes is losses and changes are gains. So we have losses, we have gains. Um and that, that's what change is. And we do adjust, you know, at different speeds. But seeing that we do have a choice. And once we identify those choices, then we move ourselves into the, the point of making a decision. And making a decision moves us forward, either, you know, with a mindset or actually moves us forward to a different, a different way of living. Well, it's, it's fascinating, the, the opportunities that we're being presented with here. And um, we are just about due for another commercial break. But on the other side, I would like, we've got three of our five Cs. We have mm -hmm. clarity, control, and choices. I'd like to pick up with that on the other side of your game. Okay, great. <laughs> Rita and I will return to our discussions shortly. You stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.com. Net. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with Rita Bridget Martell about the evolutionary power of disruption. Her website, Rita Bridget Martell .wordpress .com. Rita, I'd like to, before we go further with the C's, <laughs> which mm -hmm. have been very rich so far, I'd like to talk about, you know, there's there seems like 
the only consistent thing is change, right? Mm -hmm. The the planets spin, everything moves, everything's changing constantly. And yet people try to prevent it. They are afraid of it. They try to Mm -hmm. stay where they are. They get stuck. They spend, how much of their energy are they spending in trying Mm -hmm. to maintain a status quo that's impossible to maintain? Mm -hmm. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Uh, Well, we have this false sense of security and uh, change is disruptive. And so I I have a lot of clients who want their life to be different, but they don't want anything to change. (laughs) That that doesn't work very well, does it? (laughs) No, it doesn't. So, yes, it is is disruptive because you're wanting something different, but your partner isn't. Or, um, you know, you're wanting something different, but you you can't imagine how in the world it would be possible. Or you don't think you deserve it. Or you think by wanting something different or thinking about making a change, you're uh, judging what you have as inadequate or not enough. And I mean, there's all kinds of crazy thinking that goes into that. But yeah, it's really rooted in fear, in a fear. How how are the people that are are stuck in, in trying to avoid change at all costs, how are they being impacted right now? Uh... Well, I mean, we're being forced to. And so, you know, that's, we're, like you said, when we started the show, you know, we are kind of being turned upside down and, you know, hanging by the heels and being forced to make some changes that we would not have chosen to make. And so we can be mad about that. We can complain about that. But it's happening. So, I mean, it is the reality of our life and you can use the energy accepting it and looking at how you can make the most of it or complaining about it. And I saw that behavior on the cruise once the announcement was made that the cruise was coming to an end. Um, the reactions, it was very interesting to observe being a, you know, a change professional and knowing the different reactions people had to a real education, no doubt. Yeah. change. Yeah. So some people didn't even hear the part of the announcement that said you will be disembarking. <laughs> and when I, I said, you know, have you made your, uh, Travel plans, you know, I was, we were out after this happening up at the bar, a lot of people were drinking the ones that, you know, actually heard it. Um, and they did have free drinks that day. They did do that for us uh, to keep, kind of keep us happy. But, you know, this person would look at me and said, no, they didn't say we have to get off the ship. They just said that the cruise is ending and they'll be taking us back to Fort Lauderdale. They can't dump us here. And I said, no, I heard disembark. So it was interesting. Some people didn't hear that word. Uh, Other people reacted with uh, anger. No, I'm not leaving this ship. They can't force me off. They have to go back to Florida. So no, I'm not leaving it. I have a contract with them. I paid a lot of money. I'm a a five-star mariner. I have this status. So, you know, a combination of denial and anger. Another person started a petition. And so they were going around getting signatures on the petition to, you know, take us back to Florida. Don't don't do this. You can't can't do this. So it was interesting observing the different reactions while 
I'm making my travel plans. I'm getting my flight booked. <laughs> you're, you're following your own instructions. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm yes. very much looking at what can I do? Not what's going to happen to me. And being thankful that we were in Australia and not, you know, because the next stop was going to be a place called Reunion Island that I never heard of. And, and the people on Reunion Island were throwing things at cruise ships. So you know, people Goodness. got angry at cruise ships. Well, so people got angry thankful. at everything, didn't they? I mean, that's that fight-or-flight reaction of fight. Yeah. And so they go out of logic, and then, then it starts this projection. Uh-huh. It's all about somebody else. And doesn't that knock you out of the five C's right there when you, oh, when you blame somebody else? It does, because you make yourself a victim of other person's actions. And it's it's saying that, you know, I'm, I'm back to being a helpless child again. Um, this is what they did to me. And again, people make decisions that affect us. And, you know, we didn't choose that. And, yeah, we can be angry about it. And it's okay. You want to you want to feel what you feel, but you don't want to get stuck in that because you've given them the power to determine what your future is going to be. Well, even if they care to have it, which they probably don't. Yeah. (laughs) How can we move through this fear in order to embrace change in a healthy way? Because everybody's going to have it at some point or another. You're going to have it. And at some point, the misery becomes too much. And you say, I just, I can't stand this anymore. Or at some point, you move into the acceptance of, you know, this this is where I am. And, you know, I have to, I have to accept what's happened. I don't have to, I can stay stuck, but it's pretty miserable. And until I have courage, and that's what it takes, courage to get out of this misery. (laughs) And people will stay in misery pretty long because they don't want to face the uncertainty of what's next. I don't know what's next. I can't see it yet. And it's probably not fully defined, but you define that first step. You know, this, I have the courage to take the first step. And the decision may be to, uh, I've lost my job. So the decision may be to start looking at other careers, start identifying my transferable skills. You know, look at what I have that no one can take away from me, which is my willingness and my ability to learn. Um, again, what can I do? Not what's going to happen to me, but what can, what I, can do? I do? Mm-hmm. And what and, does this open up? I think that's a huge, important a shift of perspective, isn't it? Rather than it what doors are shutting, which, which ones are opening now? Yeah, and what's important now? So what's important? What's the most important thing I can do at this moment? And, you know, for me, <laughs> being abandoned in Australia, the most important thing I can do is, you know, get a flight out. Um, and... Even if I don't, I mean, Australia is not the worst place in the world to be. You know, I'll find a way to make it work. This won't last forever. And I think that's something else that we have to keep in mind. Now is not forever. This is what we're dealing with now. It's not going to always be that way. And yeah, if I nothing, can, nothing consistent but change, right? Yeah, I can focus on now and have the courage to do what I need to do to take that next step toward a, a different future. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, this seems kind of unprecedented in that uh, for the first time in a long time, except for world wars and the last pandemic, uh, 
we're being forced to change globally. Mm-hmm. Would you share the impact this is having on people at large? Well, it is all over the world. And this is, it's interesting that, yes, the whole world is experiencing the same thing. And so we have a shared problem. <laughs> we have a shared problem. And, you know, leaders don't always behave in the best possible way. Leaders don't, don't always lead because they're people, too, and they have their own reactions and ways of coping. But, you know, on the cruise ship, there were people on the ship from all over the world. A lot of people from Canada, a lot of people from the United States. But, yes, we're... It's happening, it's happening everywhere. And to be on a cruise ship and have ports shut down and to when I was in Australia for a couple of days at the hotel, I learned very quickly not to talk about <laughs> that I had been on a cruise ship because when I was watching the news, they were blaming, Mary comes to mind, right? Yeah, they were blaming the cruises on bringing the virus into Australia. And so I thought, oh, my God, I really don't want anyone to know that I was on a cruise ship. You know, if anybody asks, I'm just traveling on business. But there was only one day when that was a worry because we were quarantined in the hotel and we weren't allowed to go out anywhere. Not even, And the restaurants were closed. We had to order room service. Um, so anyway, I mean, it was the reality of, you know, it was the reality. And so I, I focused on dealing with it. And you know, a lot of people, it's like they feel like they're in the twilight zone. Uh, and then the other tendency is you'd think that all of us being in the same boat on the same planet mm-hmm. would bring us closer together. But it seems like a lot of people are trying to find who to blame for everything. And uh, nobody can agree on who, of course. Well, again, um, we have the different reactions. And we've seen leaders in different states, governors of, sta- of states react in different ways. And then leaders of countries you know, around the world react in in different ways. Um, yeah, so the same problem, a shared problem, but not a shared vision of the future. Would and, you mind telling us about the transition process we go through when something in our life changes? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. a process for sure, right? Yes, it definitely is a process. There's a cycle that we move through. Uh, the first one is the ending. You know, something has ended. And it may be that false sense of security that we had. It may be that a relationship has ended. It may be that our job has ended. Um, But something has ended. And I think it's important to grieve that loss. You know, when my cruise ended, it was like, no, this was my dream. This is one of my goals to be able to sail around the world. I'm not going to realize that. Um, People had weddings planned this year. You know, people had graduations, big events. Um, so there are disappointments. There, there's a loss. And so there, there is an ending. And I think it's important to grieve and acknowledge that that was an ending, but not to get stuck in it. And so we, when we're in that ending phase, we talk a lot about if only, if only this hadn't happened. And that's where we can get into the blame. We can get into the anger. Um, we can get into the guilt, something that we did that we think caused somebody to get sick or, you know, whatever. So there, there is that ending and hanging on to the past, wanting things to be the way they were and not being willing or able to let go and accept that it's not going to be, we're not going back. We're not going back to what we defined as normal. And so then we start moving forward. When we, when we reach that acceptance, we don't have to like it 
at all. And again, we can still be grieving a little bit, but we're not stuck in it. We're accepting and we're moving forward. And then we move to this, what I call the miserable middle. <laughs> and it's this in-between time of transition. And it's where we have more questions than answers. And we feel confused. And so our language is a lot of, yes, I know this is what's going on, but... <laughs> What can I do? I mean, yes, but. So there's a lot of yes, buts. And we really have to change that into a yes and. This is what I can do. Yes and. This is what's important now. And if I focus on what's important now, uh, this day, this moment, then I'll be okay. And then tomorrow I'll focus on what's important tomorrow and the next day, and the next day. This is not going to last forever. Now is not forever. Is, is, isn't there uh, illusions that are dying in that we thought we thought we could predict what was going to happen, which is an illusion? You know? uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. We so it's, it's like the death mm-hmm. of these illusions is part of what we're mourning as well, isn't it? Yeah, we have this false sense of security. And, um, you know, that's usually defined as having a job, working for a company, um, you know, having a relationship, whatever our symbols are of security, they're external. They were external symbols, and they can be taken away from us in the blink of an eye. So our security has never been based on the external stuff. <laughs> it just hasn't been. That was, that was an illusion. And we had that because we didn't believe in ourselves. Yeah, our ability to adapt to whatever comes at us. And, and yeah. that's, isn't that life? <laughs> just yeah. whatever comes at us? So our security has always been internal. It's always been ourselves and our ability and our willingness to take a risk, to learn new things, to have the courage, to feel the fear and well, do it anyway. To, I'm sorry, we're going to have to take another commercial break. But on the other side, I really want to get into courage again. Okay. Rita and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our listeners. To suggest a topic or guest, email us at info at missionevolution.org. Speaking of gifted people of service to the world, our guest this hour is Rita Bridget Martell. You can find more about Rita at her website, Rita Bridget martell.wordpress.com. Oh, I actually got that out. Wordpress.com. <laughs> Rita, we were talking about courage mm-hmm. um, before we went into this last break. And um, that seems to be a reoccurring theme. And, but yet, I don't know that people really understand what courage is. They think it's running off into the firefight, you know, mm-hmm. in a war. How would you define courage and how do we find our courage? Courage is the willingness to take that first step to venture out of your comfort zone and to take that step even though you feel afraid, even though you really don't have 
uh, a clear vision on <laughs> where that step will lead to. But it's it's you don't you're not without fear. You're you're feeling fear, but you've defined something you can do that's a little scary, but you know not not totally paralyzing. And with each step you take, you build the fifth C, which is confidence. <laughs> Often I've had clients say, well, if I had more confidence, I would do this. Um, you get more confidence by doing it, and it takes courage to do it. So courage is faith. It really is faith. It's faith-based instead of fear-based. But it's, it's ba- faith-based in yourself, isn't it? It's faith faith-based in your ability to handle whatever comes your way, that you'll be so okay. It sounds like building courage is a, is a, is a matter of steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, if you make a choice, okay, I'm going to take this action and it's just overwhelming, do you then break it down into smaller steps first? You break it down into smaller steps and um, there's another technique that I use with clients. It's an exercise called a future pull. And it, it, the whole concept is that you, you can be pulled by a vision of the future that's more powerful than the limits of the past. And it is very powerful when you're pulled by something that you see as so exciting and something that you really want to do, but don't know how and don't, don't think that, you know, it is possible for you to do that. It was scary for me when I started college. I just, but I had this vision. I had this vision that I was getting my, I was graduating. The ex, graduation exercise was outdoors and I was getting the award for being number one in the class. I thought, oh my God, when I had that vision, it was like, that's crazy. How can I do that? And that's exactly what happened. And the graduation exercise was outdoors. I mean, it was, at the moment it happened, it was like, it sent chills down my spine. Oh, oh my God. I bet it did. I I'm did chilling just listening to you. Yeah, yes. but you I know, did it, that by taking one class to mm. see if I could do it. And that led to taking another class and then just going, going full time and working part time. Yeah. So, you know, many of us are faced with massive changes in our work mm-hmm. situation. And what's the biggest stumbling block that most people are running into when they're trying to make a career change, trying to get that courage? Not seeing the skills that are transferable. And so um, I, I found that if, if you work for a company in the same job longer than five years, you forget that there's a world beyond that company <laughs> because that's become your entire world. And you're so engrossed that you really haven't kept up with what's going on in the outside world. And so if your job is cut, then you don't you don't have an idea of what you could possibly do. Or like my clients now who work in the hospitality industry had high level jobs. It's like, oh, my God, that industry is being decimated. Retail is another one that's really been uh, hit hard. And so the limits are not understanding that your skills are transferable to different industries and, and identifying what the skills are. So I take my clients through an exercise of identifying what I, I label the nouns and the verbs. 
And so the verbs are what you have the ability to do, um, plan, manage, create, um, analyze, and all, all those verbs that we use every day that we've become so good at, we don't even think about them anymore. They just become natural to us. Um, the nouns, that's the knowledge that we have. We have knowledge of an industry. We have knowledge, we have an expertise. Um, we can analyze data. We can, we have knowledge of a market, a customer group. And so you put the pieces of the puzzle together and it opens up um, different opportunities for you, different paths that you can explore. And so once you begin to do that, and again, that's taking action. It's not sitting back and saying, oh, my God, I've lost my job. I, there's nothing else I could possibly do. It's the end. <laughs> it's the end. <laughs> I'll never be happy again. Woe is me. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, you, you have uh, the title of one of your books is Defining Moments. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say that this is probably... Uh, a fairly defining moment in our history. Would you go into that a little bit for us? Yeah, defining moments. Um, it can be internal, uh, something that you've had an awareness that comes to you, and you say, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm not going to continue living this way. I'm gonna I'm gonna create something new. I want my life to be different." A uh, defining moment can be an external event, like what we are experiencing with this virus. But it's an event that transforms you. It's a transformative event where you look at life differently. You look at yourself differently. You look at your choices differently. And you're not the same that you were it, before this event happened. And we often talk about it as, well, before the virus, <laughs> this is what I was doing. And, oh, well, after the virus, this is how I lived my life differently. Or this is, you know, pre-virus and post-virus. So I think we'll look back at this and, and talk about this, you know, in that way. But a defining moment can be a second chance to do, again, you know, what you didn't do years ago. And I love, I love George Eliot's um, quote, it's never too late to become what you might have been. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Or envision something that you'd never dreamed possible. Isn't vision yeah. awfully important for us right now? Vision is what pulls us to our new future. Vision is what gives us the courage to take that first step. Um, after I graduated from college and started the business, I made my first trip to California and to San Francisco, and it was like, oh, my God, this is where I want to be. But I can't imagine how in the world I could possibly get here. It was a year and a half later, I had a consulting opportunity there. And <laughs> it just came out of the blue. It was there with a speaking engagement. And I, something came to me while I was making this speech about goal setting, and I mentioned my West Coast office. I didn't have a West Coast office, <laughs> but I wanted one. And someone came up to me at the end of the speech and said, I'm so happy that you're here, that you have a West Coast office, because we've been looking for someone like you to uh, open up this transition center. And since you're here anyway, why don't you come meet my manager tomorrow? <laughs> I said, oh, my God. And I did. And they offered me a three-month consulting contract on the spot. That's okay. amazing. 
I had packed enough clothes for, you know, that to be there for the speaking engagement. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have an automobile, you know, but I said yes. And that's what, and that opened the door to an entirely new life. I mean, so it's not, it's not just it's not just envisioning it, but then also recognizing your promptings and the opportunities as they present that go along with your vision. And saying yes, having the courage to say yes. Right, the courage. Well, we're coming close to the end of our time together, and I do not want to go through this interview without hearing the final C. What is what is the final C? The final C is confidence. And confidence is having that is having faith. Confidence is faith-based, and you build confidence by having the courage to take that first step while you're still shaking in your boots, and that will expand your ability to take the next step and the next step. And so what you learn to do is to bring yourself back to the present moment, and in this moment, um, am I... Is my thinking based on fear or is it based based on faith? Um, are my thoughts based on what I'm afraid will happen or are my thoughts based on what I want to happen and I have faith in my ability to make it happen? I have faith in my ability to survive this moment, to survive what's happening and to thrive, to thrive. So confidence is, is in the moment, and confidence is built by taking the action that you're afraid to take. Um, we change our beliefs. You know, our actions, what we do is based on our belief. And whatever we believe we can, that's true for us. And, you, you know... You know- the, the thing that I'm, you know, I look back and I see that all these defining moments in history, the way the people that were in them affected their descendants for generations. How can we leave a good example for our descendants? I think the best example we can set for our children is that to have the capability to manage change, have the belief in themselves that they have everything that they need inside of them to deal with whatever comes their way, that they don't have to depend on any source of security outside of themselves because they're enough. They're enough. And if you believe that, then bad, bad things will happen. We'll have, we'll have bad and painful experiences, but we'll survive them. And we'll learn from them. And they make us stronger. They really do make us stronger. And our faith becomes stronger. And our courage is there when we need it. And we will end up doing amazing things that we never thought we could do. We will end up surviving situations that we never thought we would be able to survive. But somehow we do. So you'll be okay. No matter what happens, you'll be okay. Beautiful. In, in closing, what would you like to share with Mission Evolution's worldwide audience to help us weather and even thrive during this coming days, months, and years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, focus on what's important now. You know, understanding that events happen 
and our values really do determine the choices that we see. So focus on what's important now. Um, ask yourself, what can I do? Not what's going to happen to me. And realize that now is not forever. So if you're going through a bad time now, um, it won't last forever. And value what you're experiencing now. Because this is allowing us to spend more time with our family and to really strengthen those relationships. So we can make the bad times good. We really do. We have the ability to make the bad times good. Transmutation at its finest, yes? Yes. <laughs> well, Rita, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure, and time has flown, but unfortunately, we're out of it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's, it's been great. Our guest this hour has been Rita Burgett Martell, the author of Change Ready, How to Turn Change Resistance into Change Readiness, and Defining Moments, Seize the Power of Second Chances to Create the Life You Want. Her website, Rita Marcel, excuse me, Rita Burgett Marcel.wordpress.com. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing the latest information, resources, and support to our evolving world. <laughs>